Chamber of Commerce, and News Radio, KKOB 96.3 FM. We are live from the Embassy Suites Hotel, your downtown Albuquerque. We are joined by Norm Becker, board chairman of the Greater Albuquerque Chamber of Commerce Forum, and I will be asking you questions tonight of the three candidates running for mayor of Albuquerque, and also of the Stanford Senior Editor of the Albuquerque Journal, who will serve as the debate moderator, ensuring that you, the voters, hear a fair and thorough exchange of viewpoints from all our candidates. Thank you, Bob. It's an honor for us, the Chamber, to be hosting this important debate and to be broadcasting live on KKOB. For those keeping track, the next day is just five or twelve weeks away. I'd like to thank the sponsors of this next debate, EM Resources, French Funerals and Cremations, Comcast, Albertsons, New Mexico Mutual, Unirac, Fidelity Investments, Verizon, the University of New Mexico, Western Sky Community Care, True Health New Mexico, and the Bank of in addition to the large radio audience, we have a small in-person audience here at the Embassy Suites, all of whom have agreed to remain quiet and respectful of our candidates throughout the event. Okay, let's hear the rules. For that, I'll turn it over to our referee for tonight's debate, Albuquerque Journal Senior Editor, Kent Walsh. Thank you, Norm. All three candidates have agreed to a point after this debate that includes two-minute opening statements, seven questions on critical issues facing the city of Albuquerque, and 60 statements. For the questions we asked tonight, each candidate will have 90 seconds to provide his answer, followed by a 60-second opportunity for each candidate to provide a rebuttal or additional comment related to the initial question. Candidates have not sent the questions at the time. They may not ask one another questions during the debate or interrupt another candidate's response. Again, the candidates have all agreed to this format requires them to respect one another's time to answer questions and provide rebuttals. Now that we've gone over the rules, let's introduce our candidates. They are Tim Keller, Mayor of Albuquerque, Manny Gonzalez, Governor of Future, and Eddie Erdogan, CEO and host of Rock and Talk. So before we begin, I'll ask our in-person audience to applaud as we welcome the candidates. KKOB for hosting. When I think about four years ago, voters trusted me to take on our challenges head on. And they trusted me to address the complexities of those challenges and address the root causes of issues like job creation, homelessness, public safety, crime, even sustainability. And I think over the last four years, we have demonstrated a willingness to problem solve, a willingness to not lurch at one uh, solution or the other, but to look at problems from all sides. And that's what it takes, because these are really tough challenges. And so for us, we have made progress. In many ways, we built a foundation. That foundation is comprised of a new approach towards reform in our police department. It's comprised of new technology to fight crime that's just coming online this winter. It's comprised of things like our Gateway Center to actually help the homeless. 
It also means our new community safety departments have been innovative across the country. But it also means understanding what we're coming out of last year. Last year was one of the most challenging situations our city has ever seen since the Great Depression. I believe I demonstrated strong and thoughtful leadership that kept people safe. I had to make decisions to save lives and to save livelihoods. And we tried to step up to make sure the businesses were kept alive and also people were kept alive. That to me is the true example of what we need from our mayor. And going forward as you listen to this debate, I know you're gonna hear lots of people talking about the problem. And you're gonna hear lots of generic terms like constitution or policy. And I would just ask you to listen to the candidates who bring actual solutions, who bring actionable ideas that will address the root causes and the real challenges and set us on a better path forward. And I believe that with my leadership going forward for the next four years, we're going to build on that foundation and we're going to lift up Albuquerque. Thank you. Next up, Mr. Gonzalez. Hello, I'm Manuel Gonzalez III. I was born and raised in Albuquerque. I was raised by two loving parents that taught me two things, to work hard and to serve people. Shortly after I graduated from high school, I joined the United States Marine Corps and started that journey of service. I came back after serving honorably and started seeking an opportunity to, to fulfill a calling to serve people and start a family here in Albuquerque. That journey started in 1989 when I joined the Berlin County Sheriff's Office. At the same time I happened to join the Sheriff's Office, my dad was starting a small business venture and he asked me to be his business partner and I did. Unfortunately, six years into that, my father passed away and I had to carry on that legacy of his success, and I did. Two decades of successful business experience after turning what was a upside-down business. But I also had the opportunity to serve where I wanted to the most, and that was with the Bernalillo County Sheriff's Department. I started from the dust, and I worked my way up to the executive ranks to become the sheriff because I was raised to believe that you could do anything with your life. And that's why I'm standing before you, because right now, Albuquerque needs a leader and not a politician. It has been said, and everybody will agree with me when I ask you, what's the number one issue in Albuquerque? And the number one issue is crime. And you have to be able to fill that box, that prerequisite. You have to have the relationships. You have to have the knowledge. You have to have the experience. You have to be willing to have grown up in this community and make sacrifices like I did when I left my business behind because I wanted to do more for the people. We're in a critical juncture of our time in Albuquerque, and I'm ready to move Albuquerque in the right direction and restore it as a crown jewel of the Southwest. Thank you. Our final opening statement is from Mr. Aragon. Hi, I'm Eddie Aragon, uh, also known as the Rock of Talk, and I'm familiar to many people and I'm glad to be here this evening and able to qualify to be on this year's mayoral, uh, not just debate, but mayoral race. We qualified within 13 days, 3,305 signatures, and this is a real opportunity for us to turn things around. I, of course, always talk about the problems each and every day on my radio show, but I think more importantly, we do have to talk about solutions. And in that one way, our mayor is correct about that, is we do need to talk about those solutions. I've got a simple platform. It's very easy. And I will run the city as somebody who loves it. I've got five points, the five C's versus city. Run it like somebody who loves it. 
How about our crime? Reduced every category, no exceptions, not just reducing one category as we've just seen at the beginning of the month. Commerce, grow it. Stand behind small business. Remove the Albuquerque rapid transit. COVID, challenge it. Not only will I hire a local epidemiologist, but we will challenge the science that has been coming down from our governor, who's handed us not one but two health secretaries, both of whom resigned, and an epidemiologist who's also left. And finally, corruption, remove it everywhere, especially career politicians who have entrenched and impoverished our city. I love the city. I'm the father of two boys. I care deeply as you do, which is why you're all here this evening. And I cannot tell you how much I love the university I graduated from, the University of New Mexico. My parents, Eddie and Francis, who are here tonight and to whom I owe everything I have, and I love them endearingly. And I have to tell you, I don't want to see anybody grow. We've had uh, leave, leave the city. I want our city to grow. We've had a lost decade here, 10 years from 2010 to 2020. We've got to do better to attract people here to the state of New Mexico. I know I'm the right answer. I know that I am fighting for the 505, and I can tell you that it's going to be a great debate tonight. Thank you for having me on this air. Thank you. All of our questions tonight will be posed to all the candidates. There are no candidate-specific questions. Our first question will come from Norm Becker. In Albuquerque, homelessness is an often-talked-about issue. Encampments are unsightly and pose health and safety risks. Those who are homeless often sleep in alleyways and entryways of businesses, as well as congregate in parks and other public places. Panhandlers dot our intersections and parking lots. And mental health and substance abuse challenges persist and are on public display. How do you keep our homeless situation in Albuquerque from becoming a hopeless situation for city residents, businesses, and for those experiencing homelessness alike? Your answers to these questions, your first answer, you get 90 seconds. Mr. Gonzalez, you're first. Just uh, to lead off a little bit, as uh, one of my campaign supporters was coming to this event, passing by Coronado Park, they seen the Manny for Mayor flag, and they said, Manny, help us. And my point is that they aren't being helped. These people are being, these are people in crisis. I sat on the President's Commission for Law Enforcement and the Administration of Justice and chaired a working group throughout the nation of experts in three areas, homelessness, substance abuse, and mental illness. And it's very important that we understand that's the carrot and the stick. We have to have the balance between being compassionate and being able to enforce the public order policies that this administration is not willing to enforce and not allow the Albuquerque Police Department to enforce. And it's not with a heavy hand. But you have to be firm, and you have to be compassionate. I will be compassionate of develop an advocacy center that needs to be in a place that doesn't compromise national security issues at Sandia Labs, a major stakeholder, and or Kirtland Air Force Base. We need to be thoughtful about this, and we need to be very intentional about this. I will ensure that the the people in crisis get the help they need and get them to wrap around services by, intent, by an intensive and comprehensive screening process. Thank you. Mr. Aragon, and as a reminder, you will each have 60-second follow-up on this question. Mr. Aragon? Yeah, thank you. And uh, as the sheriff mentioned, you know, we have four classifications of homeless people, one mental, one drug addicted, one economic insufficiency. And we have to find something to do 
about that. Our mayor, Tim Keller, has increased 150% from 2,000 to 5,000 in terms of the number of homeless people here in our city. There's 1,534 people that are on the streets right now. We donate, we give $20 million from our city government and we have not seen the results. We've continued to attract homeless people and we have built tiny houses at a cost of $900 a square foot, uh, of which only 32 are filled. We have to determine the best care on a case-by-case -case basis. If mental, give care and transport to facility immediately. If drug-related, give care and transport to jail immediately. If economic, give care and transport to shelter immediately. And if they refuse, transport out of the city. I do believe in encampments that are organized that help these people, our clients, so we can track the homeless people and move them out of our city, and also so we can help these people also find their forever homes. Did I have 60 seconds or, or 90? You said 60 seconds. She just put up 30. She, I think she had 30 left. You had 90 total. For 90 total. Okay, 90 you said total. 60, so I was just, okay, great. Thank you. You have 60 on the follow-up. Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Um, we need to do what we can to keep things going uh, as far as our caseworkers and the nonprofit organizations. They don't need to be audited. We need to not compete with them. Uh, many of our churches here uh, and our faith uh, element community is doing what it can to also solve the pro uh, homeless problem. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Now for rebuttal or additional comments on this topic, Mr. Gonzalez, you may start. You have 60 seconds. Uh, just check in. Do I get a oh, chance? Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, Mayor man, Keller? An opportunity. Yes, you get, you, get, you get 90 seconds, too. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, look, I think it's important to understand the context in a sense that homelessness was here before uh, our administration came in. It was already an issue at Coronado Park and COVID. After COVID, we've seen an explosion of homelessness all over the country. And that's no different for Albuquerque. This is part of the America that we're living in right now. And I just want to be really clear about a couple of things, you know, referring to these people. This includes 3000 kids in APS. These people are family members. They're, they're people we know. And so I also think somehow saying that we should forcefully transport them is uh, incredibly demeaning and also completely illegal. So uh, I think we have to look at this with rational, pragmatic ideas and also not just talk about the problem because the issue is this. Right now, there is nowhere for those folks to go. So when you drive by them, the question is, what can you actually do? And saying things like carrots and sticks, you can't do that with someone who's having a behavioral health issue or a mental breakdown. You will put officers at risk. You will put their lives at risk. This is why the Gateway Center is so important, and I'm so glad that Manny supports it, because we have to have a single center where we can connect people with services, vouchers, job training, until we have a place to take them we will continue to have this homeless problem. And that's why I invested $14 million in buying the old Loveless Hospital at the request of the voters two, two years ago. Thank you. Now we will go to the 60-second rebuttal additional comment. Mr. Gonzalez, you're first. Yes, the mayor is correct. It was an issue uh, when he took office. But last night he stated it was at the uh, population of about 2,000. And he said under his watch it's turned out to be 5,000 and above. So that's 250%. That's unacceptable. Plus my point earlier about these people that yelled out to me saying that they need help is an indicator that nothing's being done. And so for me, it's really coming up with a strategical approach and a community approach to address this and tailor an approach that will work for Albuquerque. And I'm willing to take that on and bring those teams together 
and, and bring the public together on this, whether it be the business stakeholders, whether it be the nonprofits, the faith-based groups, law enforcement, public health, behavioral health. Nobody has a better relationship with the county than me. So I'm willing to do that. I'm committed, and I have the time, the love, and the knowledge to do this and get it done. Thank you. Thank you. Mr. Aragon, 60 seconds. I'd like to address the mayor directly, uh, also known as Tim Trump, uh, who's doing real estate deals uh, with the Gateway Center with some of the richest people in town, and I am not a supporter of the Gateway Center. Uh, that blight uh, that will inevitably come, not to mention the retrofitting. We only need to look to the Bernalillo County retrofitting that was recently done. Uh, it actually is beyond the replacement costs. And I can tell you whether it's that or the stadium, we don't need to be invest or the tiny houses. We don't need to be investing in these deals for homeless people. He mentions the Albuquerque public schools and the kids. Uh, he and his party have been keeping this state shut down. Uh, most of this country is open. Forty of the other states uh, don't have the type of mandates, and he wants to track those kids. Best place to go ahead and do that is in the school system. Uh, to transport uh, these people who need help and actively care for them is not in any way inhumane. And officers, our police officers, shouldn't be on the front lines for handling this. And uh, finally, I'd just like to say what we need to be doing is helping, again, our faith-based community, our nonprofit organizations, and we don't need to be auditing like Sheriff Gonzalez has, has suggested. Thank you very much for the time. Mr. Keller, 60 seconds. Well, I think we heard Manny mention a strategical plan. Uh, you, th that's the problem. You have to actually know what you're doing. You can't just name it something. And so this is why, at least, I have an answer. It's the Gateway Center. We need to get behind it, and that is going to be the singular best thing we can do. There might be other ideas out there. And I appreciate all of the efforts that folks have mentioned, the range of uh, different outreach to homeless folks and access to services. But the point is, you got to have a real answer, and it's the Gateway Center. So I also want to mention that it's really important, I think, that people understand what we have done. We have 400 people living at the West Side Shelter right now because I felt that we had to do that for those folks. We have 700 people during COVID. So to anyone who says that we're not doing anything for homelessness, ask those over 1,000 people who are grateful for the services and the shelter they get and the hard work of city workers who provide that for them each and every day. Thank you. We'll now move to question two from Bob Clark. Candidates, residents here in the Albuquerque area have been accustomed to and frustrated by high crime rates. How would you characterize crime in our community right now, specifically with request to homicides, violent crime, property crime? Why should voters choose you to oversee the city's crime fighting efforts over the next four years? And, and before we get to your answers, keep in mind, you will have an opportunity to directly discuss the DOJ settlement with the city that is ongoing. Uh, and that's a question we'll have coming up for you in just a bit. Thank you, Bob. Mr. Aragon, you're first. So, do we want to address the Department of Justice within this question, Bob? And hi, how are you? No, we have a we have a, a specific question. question on that okay, coming up. Okay, you just mentioned, yeah. so I just want to make sure. So, my strategy for reducing violent crime, and it's really pretty simple, and it's what we don't do under uh, Mayor Keller and not just administration, but his party. Uh, we've made a, a turnstile justice system that has happened here, and a lot of it's outside of the purview and the control of the mayor's office. There's not a whole lot of things. And we have instituted this, uh, one with the Arnold tool, uh, no bail bonds, uh, bail bondsmen to track uh, our criminals out there. But we have to arrest every single crime out there, all crimes, not just felonies. We have to arrest misdemeanors, shoplifting, trespassing, possession. I'd like to talk a little bit about Schedule 1 a little bit later and how important that is. 
We know that pot smokers can't be gun owners. Anybody who's ever done a background check would certainly know something about that. No rehabilitation of criminals. Let's put our public first. Let's talk about the public and keeping our public safe and, and not criminalizing our police officers as well. We have to focus on the public and we have to prosecute to the extent that we possibly can. I'll use the bully pulpit of the uh, mayor's office to continue to push back on our state legislatures, uh, on our governor, if she continues to occupy office. We have to arrest quality of life issues, camping, begging, sanitation issues, which are real trouble, 40 to 52% reduction of small businesses, and they're having to deal with this stuff themselves, and these are not calls that they can make uh, to somebody to come and clean that up. And finally, build departments within the Albuquerque Police Department. We have no commercial burglary, no residential burglary. We have one person, Tim, in the gang unit, one person, and cartels and drugs are rampant here in this market. Thank you very much for your time. Mr. Keller. Well, when we think about violent crime and crime in Albuquerque, what we've seen is coming out of the pandemic, violent crime skyrocketing all over the country. There was an article in the New York Times yesterday that highlighted an FBI statistic that this has been the single worst year in rise of violent crime in the history of the United States. That is how bad it is. And so clearly Albuquerque is a part of that. But we've got to understand where that crime is usually occurring. It's occurring at the intersection of things like domestic violence, a firearm, that's what makes it deadly, and then a drug transaction. That's where most of the violent crime is happening. And so for us, we've got to focus on that. And so our department, number one, we're committed to continuing to build the ranks. Right now, I've gotten 100 new officers every year, but unfortunately, last year, we lost 200 who retired. And so we still are fighting an uphill battle with having the adequate resources to deal with this. And that's why it's really important that we leverage technology. My administration has supported our officers through $80 million of investments in crime-fighting technology, from gunshot detection to radios that actually allow them to talk to each other and don't have dead spots, to even things like putting radar back in cars. We are climbing out of a hole in terms of the criminal justice system that we got put in 10 years ago. That's actually one thing Eddie and I agree on. When we think about what we have to do to fix the broken criminal justice system, it includes fixing the revolving door. It includes changing our gun violence laws so that violent criminals stay behind bars. And that's what our Metro Crime Initiative is all about. Mr. Gonzalez, 90 seconds. So when I look at the uh, characterization of crime, I look at all the other violent cities in America that the mayor is talking about because of the high crime rates. They're Seattle, they're Portland, they're Chicago, New York, Minneapolis, New York, and a host of others. Just like Albuquerque, when you have ultra-liberal policies like our current mayor does, you have to support law enforcement. You have to support businesses. I'll give you the example of mitigating crime. We have mitigated crime. Violent crime, homicides, those crimes in the unincorporated areas are down. How do you benefit as a community economically? Well, they built Amazon in the county, not in the city. When they looked at the city, the crime rates were too high. Those are the type of businesses that our children, these families, and the middle class needs to prosper. If we don't wrap our arms around the crime in the city, then Albuquerque will never thrive and will continue to fleece the middle class. And everybody has somebody that they're connected to in this, in this community that their loved ones have left out of fear, whether it be your children, your grandchildren, and or your, your parents or your grandparents. The only thing we're going to be able to do is support law enforcement. Don't believe the lie 
I support law enforcement. We have a fully staffed law enforcement agency, one of the only ones in the country, and we are successful. Thank you. Mr. Aragon, you have 60 seconds for elaboration or rebuttal. I wish I had more. Wow. I think we know exactly why the city of Albuquerque and Bernalillo County is exactly the situation that it is right now. We have Mayor Keller blaming the national trend. We have uh, uh, Sheriff Gonzalez talking about how it differs between Bernalillo County and Albuquerque. I mean, come on. And then the fights between the police chiefs and the fights between the department. You know, we're understaffed. We aren't incentivizing and attracting enough officers to be here. We are suited up to go ahead and have 1,200. We have 750 police officers, roughly, 385 people that are out on, on control. Uh, to blame firearms, no gun buybacks under me. I'm the right person to take care of this. We'll come up with fresh eyes. We'll have a council. Uh, I can tell you I'm not going to come in and clean house and, and declare it everybody uh, day one. We're going to have a forensic audit of our police department so we can understand what our police officers need, what our units need. We're going to make sure we're going to roll that overtime, $20,000 for each of our police officers from number four to number one. We can't fight crime if we don't retain. And yes, we'll still have a, um, unscheduled overtime. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Mr. Keller? Well, I think at least two of us are telling you the truth. Uh, I, I can't believe that uh, somehow people think that crime is different in the county than it is in the city. I mean, it was the front page of the Albuquerque Journal. Property crime is actually up higher in the county than it is in the city. And also, you know, at the end of the day, Manny's been sheriff for eight years and, and cannot answer the crime question. I didn't hear a single answer in there. I just heard a bunch of mistruths about how everything is somehow awesome in the county. That is just not true. And read the Albuquerque Journal to back it up. And on top of that, look, we have to explain how to do this. And that's why the gun aspect is so important, because it's the nexus to keeping people behind bars. You want to know how to keep criminal behind bars? It's to prosecute them for gun laws. That's an answer. You might not agree with it, but at least it's a path forward. And that's what leadership requires. Thank you. Mr. Gonzalez, you have the last word on this topic. So I talked to a family last week in the South Valley. They told me in the last eight years they've never felt safer and their property values have gone up. So that's coming from the citizen. I don't take my information from the journal. I take it from the community. That's where I'm connected. That's where I get my information. That's who I listen to. That's who I serve. I serve the people. I don't serve at the hands of the media. I don't serve at the hands of other politicians. I don't serve at the hands of lobbyists. I serve at the hands of people. I'm here to bring people together. It's time to so somebody that's willing to collaborate with business people, parties, Put everything aside and start working towards policies that are centric for our community, for the people, for the businesses, so Albuquerque can thrive. Partisan politics, there's no room for it. It's so polarizing, Albuquerque has gone backwards. Thank you. For a question on a related topic, here's Norm Becker. Now the G DOJ settlement. Candidates, do you feel the ongoing DOJ settlement agreement is making it harder to recruit officers? and fight crime, and do you feel the judiciary is appropriately exercising its authority to detain arrested offenders in jail pretrial? Importantly, if you believe either or both of those issues impacting public safety, what role can and should a mayor play to address them? Thank you, Norm. Mr. Keller, you may answer first. Well, I want to just touch on a few things in a sense that uh, I think what we just heard from the sheriff is really concerning. I think it's reckless. You can't just get information from your neighbor. Uh, that is exactly why the DOJ is here, 
is because uh, folks did not understand at the highest levels what was actually happening. And I also just want to, you know, make sure that, you know, at the end of the day, cooperation also has a track record and we got to hold each other accountable for that. And I will tell you, not having lapel cameras and resisting that is not cooperation or transparency or helpful for DOJ reform. Not enforcing the public health order, which was upheld as constitutional, is not being cooperative or working well with others. And in the Metro Crime Initiative, every single law enforcement agency in the metro area was there except for one, the sheriff. If you actually want to work together, you got to show up and you got to walk the walk. And that's why when it comes to reform, we admit our mistakes, but we also know we have to proceed. Reform is up to a judge. It is not a choice. And it's also here for good reason. The issue is making it happen in a way that actually makes sure that we have a police department that's still functioning. And that's why we created the Office of Superintendent of Reform, to manage that and hold them independently accountable. And that's also why you see us telling the monitor and anyone else who will listen that we do need relief because our resources are constrained. And that's the path forward for reform. Mr. Gonzalez, you have 90 seconds. So what's needed uh, in part of the reform is political reform. We need to get rid of ultra-liberal politicians that are making policies that are unconstitutional to include sanctuary cities. On September 17th, we, we worked a gang recognition intelligence patrol in the Southeast Heights where Mayor Keller used to be the representative. We had a person arrested on a United States federal warrant that was a deported felon that was associated with the cartel. These are the type of policies that he promotes and advocates for that makes it dangerous for every single person that lives in this community and is unconstitutional. He has driven crime up and will not be held account. He will not take or admit or apologize to the community for the lack of his policies. I will get rid of that at day one and we will move on so we that so that we give this city back to the people of Albuquerque because it's our government. It doesn't belong to the mayor. It belongs to us. And I have every full intention of giving it back to the business owners, the citizens, the children, so you can go to the parks, so you can go to the store without being accosted. You won't be hyper-aggressively hyper attacked in intersections. We'll create the ordinances. We'll get his cart project done, and you won't see shopping carts in our streets anymore. So we can have a quality of life that every Albuquerquean deserves. Thank you. Mr. Ergon, you have 90 seconds. Thank you. Uh, neither one of those are an answer to Norm Becker's question here. We're talking about the Department of Justice decree. I think in a little education is in order here. I think we're quickly realizing why the city is in the type of shape that it is, as well as our county. Uh, the, cr the agreement can't be modified or changed. All right. We need to understand that first and foremost. It is what it is. The reform is in federal court. I think it started before uh, Tim's administration. The city is plaintiff and party to the consent decree. Mayor Keller himself, in working with the Department of Justice, has actually issued more hurdles and made it more difficult to get out of the DOJ. Yet just last week, they're talking about, well, we might go well uh, get loose. The question specifically was, does it make it harder to recruit officers? Of course it does. But the city of Albuquerque is a plaintiff in all of that. We have to accelerate our compliance. We need to get these guys out of here so we can get the police officers uh, to do their job. We have to engage the Department of Justice and not lay down for them. I think any 
police officer would agree with that. They're tired of being handcuffed and they're tired of being told what to do and having to run everything through 50 checks. And it increases the murder rate, 96 murders, another one last night. We have to accelerate the compliance, fight them, remove them as quickly as possible, improve the morale of our police officers. This pretrial services, I've already referenced it. It's the Arnold tool. It's out of the purview and the control of the city of Albuquerque and the mayor's office. But again, using the bully pulpit so we can fight back and let them know that we have a turnstile justice system because of that implementation. Thank you very much for your time. Mr. Keller, 60 second rebuttal. Well, I think it's very important, especially for law enforcement officials, uh, especially for our sheriff to somehow blame immigrants for the DOJ is, is just completely disrespectful. Um, and they're literally not related at all, other than the fact that the reason why the DOJ is here is in part because of implicit bias and because of profiling people. And so that kind of reckless attitude is exactly what is going to make the DOJ situation worse. And I also know that it's easy to say that you want to make the city safer, that you want to feel safer when you go shopping. The hard part is how. That's what this is about. That's what leadership takes. And when I think of the DOJ reform, what we've learned is how to proceed with that. It's about civilianizing internal affairs so that we're not taking time from officers. It's also about things like changing the leadership at the academy. We have a new woman in charge of the academy. She's from Quantico. She's excellent. And it's also about the use of force policy. That is something our administration has done that all parties, even the officers, agree on. That was the number one requirement of the DOJ, and we got it done. Mr. Gonzalez. So what needs to be changed in order to comply with the DOJ is the leadership. And also those people need to be held accountable and understand that there's timelines. They said that this should be done in four years. Well, they went backwards. There's still use of force issues at the city of Albuquerque under the watch of Mayor Keller. I would also emphasize that you have to have a leader that wants to get out from underneath that. And we can't afford to compromise the safety of people in Albuquerque anymore. So I would contract and or look at consolidation with the sheriff's office so you get full law enforcement services immediately. We can't wait any longer. The other thing we need to do is make policies that are reasonable. I've met best practice policies for law enforcement. I understand that. They have to be achievable and they have to be able to be, be successful for the law enforcement officer so they can get through and be compliant. That's not being done right now under this current leadership. Thank you. Mr. Aragon, you have a final word on this question? Thank you. Uh, platitudes and politics is what we heard uh, this evening tonight. Uh, I found that neither one of them even answered the question. I kind of like to go back since I have this additional time to go ahead and address something that uh, Mayor Tim Keller talked about. And he, you know, we've changed the culture here. We've legalized pot. I can tell you again, and I'll re keep reminding you, Anybody who possesses a pot cannot possess a gun. And I think that that's really important. We cannot claim the firearms. And I'd like to start arresting pot users, even recreational pot users, if they hold a gun. I think that that's very important. Um, Sheriff Manny Gonzalez addressed something that he doesn't know anything about, which is property values going up. Think about this for a second. Money is cheap. I know. I don't own a home. And who really cares at this point? Here's what I can tell you. Property values have gone up because money is cheap and there's no supply. There are no houses that are out there. It has nothing to do with it. People are happy because there's nowhere else to run. There's people moving from other states uh, as well. So just a little bit of understanding here for uh, my two Democrat opponents. Thank you. Thank you. Let's move to our fourth question from Bob Clark. All right. Thank you very much, Kent. We're going to switch gears now and talk more about the local economy. And the question is, according to the census, over the last 10 years, Albuquerque's population grew by about 
higher than other parts of our state, but far lower than other major metro areas in our region. If you can each tell us what needs to happen over the next 10 years to create a boom in private sector jobs, how do you plan to make our city as attractive and vibrant as possible so that new companies want to locate here, existing businesses feel supported and want to grow, and talented workers want to stay here to work? Mr. Gonzalez, your first 90 seconds. Okay, so first and foremost, you have to make Albuquerque a safer place to live. You have to get our arms around crime. A lot of big companies, big tech, left California recently. They, they looked at Utah. They looked at Arizona and Texas. But they avoided Al Albuquerque and New Mexico because it's a lot similar like California. Very liberal policies like sanctuary cities, defunding the police, mismanaging the police department, having the DOJ. We'll never get to that where we want to be unless we make Albuquerque a safer place and you have the leadership that is going to hold people accountable and that wants to get through all these hardships that the city's experiencing right now. You have to be determined. You have to be willing to work hard. But more importantly, you have to be willing to surround yourself with the right people that are not political, which is definitely a fault of this current administration to move Albuquerque in the right direction. So we have the services we need. We have the safety we need and we need and we restore the quality of life. So for me, it really comes down to providing services. And again, whether that comes through consolidation and or contracting out to the sheriff's office and otherwise collaborating with other agencies, then I'll do whatever it takes to make Albuquerque a safer place to live. Mr. Aragon. Uh, thanks for the question. Right on, Bob. Uh, really good question. This is what we have to start talking about. Nothing helps crime rates better than prosperity. We're seeing that in red states versus blue states. And I think we need to understand that there's some quick things that we can do, quick needs, and I've already mentioned them and alluded to them. Home builders, let's help those industries actually relocate here, find land, develop it uh, here in the city of Albuquerque, as opposed to Rio Rancho, Los Lunas, Belen, all the surrounding areas. We need to grow inside. We've got to build neighborhoods, streamline approvals. Industrial commercial real estate, there's no small business space. There's 0% vacancy. These small businesses need places to operate in the right zoning. I know a little bit of something about that. How about bringing doctors? You guys have recently seen uh, uh, and people move to great places that have great health care, especially those people who are here and have to take care of their parents because we know how expensive long-term care is. Let's bring doctors here. We should be providing property tax incentives. How about our students? University of New Mexico, despite Mayor uh, Tim Keller's best uh, chances to attract people to the public school, the University of New Mexico, it's actually reduced during his parties and Manny Gonzalez's parties shutdown of COVID-19. We lost 5,000 students, mostly to Arizona, some to Texas. And finally, what about our closed restaurants? How important are those? We love our food. We love our culture. We build it right around the kitchen table, right around the cocinas. And here's what I can tell you. Let's build them a cloud kitchen and get those people going. Those are things that we can jumpstart day one and uh, move this economy forward and get people growing Albuquerque once again. Thank you very much for your time. Mr. Keller. Well, a couple of things. I know we heard that uh, somehow politicians are part of this. And I just want to acknowledge at least there's two of us up here, whether we like it or not, we're politicians. Uh, the sheriff's been elected. He is a Democrat. He's partisan. He's no different than any other politician. And I think it also you got to to be a leader. The difference is you got to talk about something besides crime. And the reality is that, of course, that's an important component. 
But you also have to understand what we've been through with COVID. And when we were able to, as a city, keep those businesses alive by getting $30 million in small business grants out the door, by doing little things like paying for tents, and by doing big things like pushing $300 million in construction projects out the door as part of our New Deal reconstruction program during COVID, we literally kept businesses afloat. That is what economic development leadership looks like during a pandemic. Now, coming out of the pandemic, it's about doubling down on some things that we have achieved. We got Netflix to come here even during the pandemic. We got NBC Universal to come here. We have announced thousands of jobs since my administration came in, more than the last administration did in their entire administration. Our economy is actually doing better than all the other economies in the state of New Mexico in terms of unemployment and in terms of growth for major cities. So we're coming out of this in a much healthier position. And it's because of what we did during the pandemic. And it's because of that vision going forward. Mr. Gonzalez, you have a 60 second rebuttal. Yes, uh, we need to do a, bit, a lot better job of creating business friendly policies for business stakeholders developers, contractors, for citizens that want to grow out their businesses. We have to be willing to build the infrastructure to 21st century expectations, whether they're cloud-based, web-based, kiosk-based, so that people have access to licensing, inspections, and not having to pander to the city bureaucrats to get something done in order to move Albuquerque in the right direction. We need to change that culture. We need to have political reform, and that's exactly what I'm talking about. That's politics at its highest. We need to come together and get the smartest people because this is a nonpartisan race, and you have to be willing to bring both Democrats, Republicans, independents, the kind of state together so we can move Albuquerque forward, and that's my goal. Thank you. Mr. Ericon. Yeah, Mayor Keller's talking about keeping businesses alive. Uh, corporate welfare, which is what he's talking about with Netflix and those deals, and uh, welfare in general uh, with uh, more payouts from the government. He was the guy who wanted to extend it and said, hey, you go and extend it and then come get a job at the city September 1st. That's not economic development. And I'm not surprised to see uh, no answer here. And when it comes to uh, Mayor Tim Keller, him talking about corporate welfare or other handouts uh, from the city. Uh, what he did get and him and his party did get is $18.7 billion that came into the state of New Mexico, which spilled over into our city. And uh, if we think we can just print money and print our way out of this, this is a very unhealthy economy. People are picking up and leaving. I don't need to sit here and tell you about people moving and leaving the state of New Mexico. We had 915,000 jobs pre-COVID, 853,000, check my math, uh, post-COVID. This is not what we need. I have to tell you, we've got to remove the Albuquerque Rapid Transit, remove blight, vagrancy, and crime, reinvest by attracting these small businesses. I've already given you uh, my five pieces that I'm going to focus on. Thank you very much for your time. Mr. Keller, you have last word on this question? Well, we've got to look at programs that actually work. And when I look around Albuquerque over the last two years, I see cranes for the first time in a decade. And that is because of all the city projects that we're doing public-private partnerships with, whether it's the development across from Presbyterian Hospital, whether it's Nuevo Atrisco on the west side, whether it's even things like our indoor sports stadium we want to build, or even things like building a stadium. This is what cities do. We lead the way by partnering with the private sector to make sure that we're doing the kind of investments in infrastructure that we need. That's also how we keep thousands of people employed. And even during the pandemic, I will tell you, no one in an emergency situation when your business is about to close cares whether it's a check from the government. What they want is help. 
to keep them around so they can do better the next month. And that's exactly what we did. And I know there are hundreds of businesses out there that believe that was the right thing to do, and I'm glad we did it. Thank you, candidates. We're going to turn now to Bob Clark. All right, we're more than halfway through tonight's mayoral debate. We want to thank you all for tuning in tonight and for all of you for being here. And after a short two-minute break, we'll pick up right where we left off. Candidates, please remain on stage, but you can take a moment to step back and relax and take a deep breath or a drink of water. We'll be right back with more of the 2021 Albuquerque mayoral debate here on 96.3 News Radio, KKOB-FM. Back to our mayoral debate sponsored by the Greater Albuquerque Chamber of Commerce and 96.3 News Radio, KKOB. I'll turn the program back over to our moderator, senior editor of the Albuquerque Journal, Kent Walls. Thank you, Bob. Let's move straight into question five from Chamber Board Chairman Norm Becker. Norm? Thank you, Kent. Great cities tend to have exciting downtowns. They are energetic places where people want to live, businesses want to locate, and residents and tourists want to shop, eat, and have fun. Do you share this belief that the vibrancy of our city is tied in large part to the success of our downtown? If not, why? If so, what specifically would you do to make this happen in Albuquerque? Also, as part of your answer, please tell our audience if you support or oppose the ballot measure that would allocate $50 million in gross receipts tax bond revenue toward the construction of a soccer stadium, which would, which would locate in the downtown area. Mr. Ergon, you're up first, 90 seconds. I lived at uh, the corner of 8th and Central. There's a bookstore that's there that was my home. I absolutely love downtown. It is the heart of the city, and uh, if you've seen any of my videos, I continue to go downtown quite a little bit. Uh, Century uh, 14 is one of my favorite places, and I can tell you, if we would just focus a little bit more on downtown, I know we've had downtown action team uh, over the years. It has to be the focal point. Uh, the CBD, which is a central, central business district, has changed. And that is driven by office occupancy, okay? And the office occupancy has been abysmal for years, uh, dare I say decades. And we've got to do a better job. It can't be dead, uh, you know, going in with 30% uh, vacancy rates uh, that are in downtown. Uh, we've got to attract people to those places. One of my ideas, of course, is foods and eateries with the cloud kitchen and other places to kind of walk. Can't be all food trucks, and uh, that's important. Um, one of the uh, people who recently passed away, and by the way, I'm, I'm happy to see uh, Villa de Capo refilled. How how awesome is that? Uh, so we need more of that, uh, you know, backfill of, of those types of places. That's very important. It's a historic district, and many of these people haven't leased. Uh, we haven't had enough support down there. And then, of course, the constriction with the Albuquerque Rapid Transit. We have to remove the Albuquerque Rapid Transit. I don't think that the stadium with $50 million and creating a assemblage with commercial real estate, and you saw how intricate and how difficult that can be, is going to be our silver bullet to reestablish and revitalize downtown. If you don't drive daily office builders and reestablish the CBD in downtown rather than the North I-25, you can't revitalize it. More on that in a moment. Mr. Keller. Well, downtown, I think, is one of the areas where I'm very optimistic. I have to tell you the investments that we've put in place are going to be game changers for downtown. And you can see that if you go to things like the rail yards market. We're now going to be able to lease those buildings at the rail yards for the first time in 30 years. We also are putting in the rail trail, which will connect the rail yards to the rest of downtown. And it is already spurring hotels and office space, uh, an area called Glorietta Brewing in that area right there. We're also putting at-grade rail crossings to connect the two uh, areas of downtown that were divided by the railroad. And also we're doing things like public safety. We're building a new police station right in the middle of downtown. 
My administration also created the Downtown Public Safety District, where we have a dedicated patrol, and for the first time, downtown crime rates and arrests are actually going down. That's the one thing that's been consistent throughout my administration. And I also want to mention what we're doing with respect to making this an opportunity zone. We want to make downtown an already designated an opportunity zone. We're in discussions with investors uh, to co-invest uh, so that we can actually create some of the amenities that Eddie talked about. Again, the question is how to do that. These ideas are already things that our administration is working on, and they're all reasons why I think downtown is going to be very successful. But I have rarely seen a vibrant downtown without some sort of stadium. It doesn't matter if it's minor league baseball, soccer, anything. And that is one reason why I think we should have a stadium within walking distance of downtown. Mr. Gonzalez, 90 seconds. I believe that there needs to be a urban business and a law enforcement interface. So we have to decentralize policing into the business community. Also believe that there needs to be a modification of the art project because so many business owners are saying that nobody is willing to travel through there because it's so difficult with two different bus systems. So we're going to have to visit that. I also believe that we have the, the, the basis of this whole thing for the downtown area to thrive is definitely getting a handle on crime and our social problems of homelessness. And if we don't get a handle on that, we're not going to have a downtown. So for me, it was just four years ago when you could go downtown, Civic Plaza, enjoy yourself with your family, watch a movie, listen to a concert, and interact with the public, enjoy the food, the festivities, and that's non-existent because it's gotten away, it's out of control, and we got to get our police officers staffed rightly, right so you have public safety and we can go back to downtown and downtown can thrive again. Thank you. Each candidate will have an additional 60 seconds on this topic. Mr. Aragon. I want to address the stadium uh, to uh, Tim's point. It's nearly impossible if you look at the cut-ups that are down there to go ahead and build a stadium in downtown, uh, plus the passageways to actually get there. We don't have $50 million. The soccer team hasn't been successful, and as I've stated before, it's a political arm of not just uh, Tim Keller's. We've seen him attending many of those games as well as uh, – our uh, our governor. Uh, the Nusenda Stadium is a great place to go ahead and play those football games. Have you seen the Phoenix Stadium? It's a very uh, equivalent to that. Uh, you have to understand that we have to drive private businesses. We have to bring in a Fortune 500 company, even a regional HQ. And once you start occupying and people are down there during a nine to five time, a lot of that blight that's down there will be removed automatically. Those offices need to be filled. We have a lot of Class A office space, three Class A office buildings, and we would do our best by attracting regional HQ, and we're not competing, and that's one of the failures of, of Mayor Tim Keller is not attracting private businesses to the city of Albuquerque. Thank you very much. Mr. Keller. Well, I just want to touch on a few things uh, to make sure people know there is a business APD collaboration. It's called Project Echo Downtown. It's working great. I literally don't know anyone who doesn't think that the downtown Echo is a success. Also, the art bus doesn't go downtown like it skirts around Route 66. So I don't understand how that could possibly affect downtown. It might affect other areas, but not downtown. And also Art Walk is is one of the most vibrant, most popular experiences that is happening in the city of Albuquerque right now. It happens every month. So check it out and you will see everything that was described. Uh, and I do want to mention, too, there is a Fortune 500 company downtown. It's NBC. It's the studios right on the other side of Civic Plaza. So just want to illuminate some of the, the debunk some of the myths, I think, that were shared on that. And lastly, the viable locations. Uh, there was a well uh, 
knowing consultant that found four different viable locations within walking distance to downtown. So these are all things that uh, we can do going forward, and we have the data and the reports to show it. Mr. Gonzalez, final thoughts on this question? So you have to have, first of all, whether it's in your home or let's say specifically in the city, you have to have your house in order. I walked out of the Albuquerque Police Department the other day on their side of the building. This was just three weeks ago. And there was a pile of trash I noticed off to the side. And amongst that trash was a needle. And then I just went there recently on the weekend. And there was a man left out there on the side of the street, left for dead. And that's not the type of downtown we need. Clean up our city. It looks like a pigsty. We have to clean up the highways. We have to collaborate with the state. The city, we have to staff it right. We have to make sure we budget for those things. I've never seen the city in a worse state than I've ever seen it is than it is now under this administration. We have to support the workers. We have to provide them with the training and the budget and the staffing to make Albuquerque a cleaner and safer place to live. Bob, you've got the next question. All right. Thank you, Kent. Uh, businesses typically want to know that they're going to get a fair shake from government, whether it be in their bids for government work or the regulations and rules that government imposes on them. For any voter who places a high priority on corruption-free, transparent, and ethical government, why are you the best choice to lead our city, and what makes you stand out in this area? Mr. Keller, you have the first response, 90 seconds. Well, I think we've done a number of things to respect uh, every piece of that. Uh, we've made sure that we are, number one, honest about both our successes and our mistakes, and you see that even for me personally. Uh, I commit to problem solving that includes owning up to areas where we have to improve. I know our administration also has uh, completely changed how the information and public records, the IPRA program works. I created an IPRA office to actually do all those things. And I think most importantly, uh, the reform process with APD is about truth and transparency. It is things like having lapel cameras and using them and sharing with the public, something that the uh, Bernalillo County Sheriff refused to do until a state law was changed that actually forced him to do. I also know that we follow campaign rules as best that we can. And I also know that uh, the sheriff is 0 for 5 in uh, legal cases, finding him in his campaign guilty of forgery and committing fraud. And he's a law enforcement officer. So I hope that at a minimum, we walk the walk and we admit we make stakes and we share that with the people and we tell the truth. Thank you. Mr. Gonzalez. OK, uh, so I'm next to the person that's holier than holy. I know that in 2017, uh, this man was had a substantiated complaint for ethics violation to the tune of $40,000 in his campaign. And he got a slap on the wrist. And I wasn't found guilty. I never admitted to any fraud. And if somebody went rogue in my campaign, it's no different than somebody that's gone rogue in my department. We've indicted people. We had a deputy that had a use of force issue. He was charged by the district attorney and is a convicted felon. I hold everybody accountable, but you can't possibly hold me accountable for the sins of other people. It's not just. And the courts ruled in my favor that this man next to me violated my due process at the hands of his city clerk. So I can't be, I can't be held to a higher standard than God. I can't know what everybody's doing at all times, but I do hold people accountable. I have hope my whole career. And what I will tell you that the, the, the thing with the uh, payouts, my name has never been on any of these lawsuits. 
So make sure that you research this and neither have my deputies. There's no findings of excessive force or constitutional violations against any citizen. And we don't tolerate tolerate it. Everybody's been held accountable and I'll hold everybody to the same standard at the city of Albuquerque. Thank you. Mr. Aragon. Yeah, thank goodness I've had none of the problems of these two. I'd like to address Mayor Keller first, uh, who uh, seems to run around with Hollywood types, uh, financial money managers like uh, Peter Travesiani, who could certainly, in his lucrative uh, dealings with Thornburg over the years, could certainly buy and pay for his own stadium. I think he's spearheading a lot of what uh, uh, the additional money that Mayor Tim Keller is going to get for his particular campaigns. Having an open bid process would be the last thing that I would trust either of these gentlemen with, and I'm the right person to trust. And I'll tell you why. My father, who's sitting in the back of the room, his entire life has been a subcontractor and has been put through uh, subcontract bids where it's a closed situation each and every single time. And you win by putting your best foot forward, your number. And I'll tell you what, there's a lot of people who tried a lot of sneaky things and they find their way out of here. They, uh, they're called uh, rats by shopping those numbers around. Whether it's NBC, whether it's Netflix, whether it's these Hollywood types, whether it's Peter Travesiani in this stadium. Uh, Bob, I got to say, I love your question because this is ultimately about corruption. This is the hardest city of the city, the sweetheart deals, and it goes right to Nick Capison. Uh, with his deal over at the Gateway Center. You have to understand, these are deals that you didn't have any level of participation in. These are handshake deals across, uh, you scratch yours, I'll scratch mine. This is what our city has been run under. New Mexico, University of New Mexico, Department of Political Science has talked about the old boys network, and there's no older boys network than these two Democrats and what they've been involved in for the last 86 years. We need to have a secure and open competitive bidding process for any public works. Thank you very much for your time. Mr. Keller, you have a 60 second rebuttal. Well, I, I think I'm still the youngest one up here, but, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the day, uh, all, all, all those deals that were mentioned went through city council, and I'm happy to ask questions if, if folks really have some serious ones about it. But uh, I do want to go back to the sheriff. Uh, let's just be clear. The Board of Ethics personally fined you as a person $2,000 and issued you personally a reprimand for the forgeries that were occurring in your campaign. That's, that's just a fact. That was in every paper and on every news station. Also, the fact that five different courts or hearings said the same thing and confirmed that. And also, you're hiding the statistics about your own department. This came out that the murder statistics and the crime statistics were not being released by Bernalillo County. And I think that goes to what I was saying. I will admit when I make mistakes. You know, last campaign, I didn't have two split bank accounts. And I said, you're right. I didn't know that. And I won't do it again. And I haven't. And there was no fine. There was no reprimand. That is completely different than the $600,000 that you lost because of fraud in your campaign. Mr. Gonzalez. I like the admission that he said he's the most experienced person up here. And he hasn't lived up to his growing into the position of mayor. And it shows by his immature uh, blaming of everybody else because we elected him mayor. And I owe everybody an apology for supporting him and the hope that he would do something better for us. I'm here because I'm putting my best foot forward to support small businesses, to support the people of Albuquerque. The, what you need to really look at when he says on cover-ups, it's himself. It's the hush money that he pays out to whistleblowers because he says that he holds himself to a higher standard with transparency which is a big lie. You have the IPRAs that the people that are following these whistleblowers can get the information. You have my campaign 
that isn't given the same access and they still haven't complied with the IPRAs, and he gives his campaign full access to the city clerk. Here's your hypocrisy. Thank you. Mr. Ergon, you have the final 60 seconds. Yeah, I'd like to defend uh, Sheriff Manny Gonzalez here. And I, I think I, I speak for everybody here. I'm tired of uh, publicly funded campaigns uh, of the three of us and not for Sheriff Manny's lack of trying to get publicly funded. I don't think we should have another publicly funded mayoral race again. I think it's important for us to realize that taxpayers should not be funding the attack ads that Mayor Tim Keller is going to use either against me or Sheriff Manny Gonzalez. And we need to put this to bed. We've got a city to save. We've got to start talking about the real issues, not the back and forth between the new and old police chiefs, not the back and forth between two people who are running our city. This is exactly why this continues to exist. Uh, Mayor Tim Keller, I would ask that you just go ahead and drop the issue. And so we've got a race. Sheriff Manny is in. It's as simple as that. Uh, let's drop it. It's been solved. He's now a privately funded uh, guy. We're racing. We're talking about the issues in the heart of the city. Let's put this to bed once and for all tonight. Let's stop talking about this. And as far as I'm concerned, let me tell you, I'm the best candidate. I'm a Republican. We are privately funded. I'm doing it all on my own. And thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Norm Becker has our final question. So candidates, please paint us a picture of what you think Albuquerque can and should look like in 20 years and tell us what you intend to do over the next four years to move us closer to the long-term vision for our city. Thank you, Norm. We'll hear first from Mr. Gonzalez, 90 seconds. Next four, eight, 12, 16 years, 20 years into the future, first of all, we're going to make Albuquerque a safer place to live so that this generation has the opportunities, the services, the amenities they need to stay here for their families and their future. We're all old enough to know that our parents left, uh, left us off much better than they were left. And it's an obligation for us to leave our kids that much better off. And if we don't start creating the opportunities for them and consider making the Gateway Center a technology hub that it was intended to by Senator Pete Domenici, in order to make sure that we seed this community with opportunities to bolster with our stakeholders, both the Kirtland Air Force Base and Sandia Labs, opportunities that will build a future for our, our community. And AI, robotics, cybersecurity, that's the future of this country and the world. And we, have, we live in a global world. And if we're not willing to sit down and, and have that discussion and bring those people together, then we're going to continue to jeopardize national security, the safety of pu the public here, and we have to make better decisions for us. And I'm willing to stand up for you, be your voice, and advocate for citizens and not for politics. Thank you. Mr. Aragon. I love thinking about that. I love thinking about my kids who will be uh, 26 and uh, 29 years of age, 20 years from now, and I want them to live here. I want them to be... 12 generations who are having 13th generation New Mexicans uh, and Burkinos, if you choose to use that word. It's going to be a safe city. We're going to reduce crime, and it's easy to do. You just have to care enough to actually reduce every category. We're going to attract other people and tell you why. It's not just our resources here in the city, but statewide, seven minerals and things that we can attract here, and every other place is getting overcrowded. So we kind of benefit right now from all the rest of the states that are growing as fast as they are. I think in the next five to 10 years, people are going to say like, well, how about Albuquerque now? Because we changed it. We became 
conservative. We became a Republican. We turned red after 86 years of Democrat domination and the failed policies that we have continued to see from these two gentlemen's party. And I was the youngest member of the state central committee. Commerce, our economy will grow. We'll have population growth. These forecasts are abysmal. We're not going to be this green city or this, you know, uh, 100% renewable energy. We are rich in oil, the number one producing counties in the entire country right here in the state of New Mexico. We're not going to have restrictions. We're not going to be asking the governor or the mayor whether or not we want to go to work or whether we can go to work. And that's COVID. The corruption, I'll root it out. That's the most important thing to me. And of course, I'll run the city as somebody who loves it. I love thinking about this city 20 years from now. I'm optimistic, and I'd love to have your vote November 2nd. Thank you. Mr. Keller. When I think about this city's future, I think it began with how we performed during the pandemic. If you look at Albuquerque compared to every major city in the West, we did better in every health category. We had lower spread rates. We had lower total positive cases rates. And now we have higher vaccination rates. And what is happening is that people are noticing that we are a healthier place to live in the American West. That is, those statistics are compared to L.A., Austin, Denver, Oklahoma City, Tucson. And in these areas, we are for the first time leading all of these other cities. And so I believe we are pairing that with the other opportunities and unique aspects of our cities. So when you consider the fact that for the first time in a decade, people are moving here more than they're moving away. For the first time in over a decade, actually, UNM local enrollment is up. For the first time in a long time, all of a sudden, housing values are increasing, and all of a sudden, all our houses, you have to get them really fast if they're for sale. This is a good thing because people are moving here for the first time in a long time because they know we are a better place to live. And it's because of the leadership we demonstrated during the pandemic. It's also because of things like open spaces and parks and all of those things that I do with the city each and every day to make this city a great place to live. It also is because we are making big steps on our biggest challenges. We're creating a new police department, the community safety department, excuse me, to actually deal with homelessness and also reduce burden on officers. We're creating the Gateway Center to actually do something about homelessness. And we are working with new companies like Netflix to bring thousands of jobs here. That is the future of Albuquerque. Mr. Gonzalez, you have an additional 60 seconds on this topic. Okay, I'm, I'm running for the city of Albuquerque's highest executive position mayor, not public health secretary. And so for me, I look at it this way. It turned around a small business and was successful. It turned around what was considered a politically polarized, demoralized, in a, in a department that was in a deficit. And the county was in a deficit, $50 million. But what I did is I surrounded myself with the right people because it's not about me. It's about asking the right questions and making the right decisions. And we turned that situation in to a model agency. And I'll use that same formula of success of bringing people like yourselves that are stakeholders here together that want to sit at the table and figure out strategically how we get there as a community. What do you want? I'm here as your servant, not as your dictator. I will help you lead you into the 21st century and will become the crown jewel of the Southwest. Thank you. Mr. Aragon. Uh, Mayor Tim Keller has an amazing ability to spin things around that are very negative. We've lost nearly 5,000 students at the University of New Mexico, yet he's talking about local enrollment for, uh, being up. Uh, people buying homes, it's a lack of supply. 
it's cheap money that's out there. You can't spin that as anything that he's done. Our homelessness, he's ex- uh, increased it from 2,000 to 5,000 people. Uh, you guys have to stop listening to politicians and politics and spin and realize that it's us. It's business people. It's people who care about our community, not people who are looking for the next job that are going to make this city better. Uh, Tim Keller probably wants to live in Washington, D.C. in 20 years. Probably has his eyes on being president of the United States. Here's what it's going to take. We're going to prioritize planning and commercial development. We need homes, as we know that we are severely lacking. We're going to have our convention centers instead of going to casinos. And the city of Albuquerque has lots of events over at casinos instead of our convention centers. We're going to focus more on doing things within our city limits. And I think that that's the most important focus so we can keep that tax base here and keep our population here. I think the future of Albuquerque looks very prosperous in 20 years. Thank you. Mr. Keller. Well, part of being mayor and running for mayor is acknowledging with some humility this is probably all our last stop, no matter who wins. We haven't had a mayor do anything else uh, in the modern era after being mayor, and we'll see what happens with the rest of us. But I'm well aware of that, and that's why I also know that, you know, as mayor, you have to lead in the way the city needs it. So you know what? During a pandemic, you've got to be the public health secretary. And when you're talking about the economy, you've got to be the economic development secretary. You've got to be able to do whatever the city needs. And that's what I've demonstrated. It also means that you have to take responsibility for our challenges. It means, you know, for better or worse, it's always been the case. The mayor of Albuquerque, it's always the mayor's fault, no matter what happens. You've got to be ready for that. And so that's why I believe as mayor going forward, I am ready to continue to fight for our cultural diversity, to make sure that our city keeps its identity. That is part of what I see in the future. I also believe we've got to do things like invest in things like multimodal transportation and burgeoning industries where we can compete. And I also believe we have to have trust. Our community has to trust the police department. The police department has to trust the community, and our community has to trust its government. And that's why I believe we need a mayor who can articulate that. Thank you. That concludes our questions for the evening. We'll move to closing statements. Candidates, you'll have no longer than one minute to provide us with your closing thoughts this evening. As determined by a random drawing, Mr. Keller, you go first. Well, I believe today I've articulated the foundation that I have built for our city's future. It means following through on the thousands of jobs that we've announced. It means following through on the Gateway Center to help our homeless community. It means following through on the Community Safety Department to help our police officers. It means following through on crime technology and on building the ranks at APD. It means following through and also being straightforward with you and problem solving in the future. I also know today we've heard a lot of things, and frankly, they're coming from the gentleman to my right, that just aren't true. Manny has had eight years to deal with crime, eight years to deal with crime, and has nothing to show for it. Crime is just as bad in the county. Also, the notion of continuing to avoid the truth when it comes to fighting against lapel cameras, when it comes to fraud and forgery in your own campaign that you were convicted of, and when it comes to hiding the ball when you're even talking about your own statistics, it is reckless and dangerous to bring that attitude and that approach to City Hall. I believe we need a mayor who will continue to problem solve and who will also tell the truth. That's why I'm asking you for another four years. Mr. Aragon. Uh, Thank you. Uh, I think we have demonstrated over the last four years why Mayor Keller and his plans uh, need to be removed from office. His first priority was crime four years ago. His first uh, priority for uh, this next four years is crime. Uh, If it's any indication the last four years, we can look at the next four years as uh, being twice as bad. We are setting a record 
Uh, we know that crime is up and you can't blame COVID and you can't blame it going up on a national trend uh, everywhere else. So we'll appoint a council. We'll put it together. We're not going to come in and slash and burn and tear everybody out. We have people who are committed to being there, being in the police department. That's a, uh, a very important. From a commerce perspective, business is job one. That's what we should be talking about. We should be talking about growing our economy, attracting industry, building a tax base, attracting private businesses, making Albuquerque livable again. When it comes to COVID, no vaccines, uh, mandates. I've already changed it Berlio County, already changed it the city of Albuquerque. I'm already keeping the balloon fiesta uh, open based upon some of the things that I've been talking about. And I got to tell you, I'm excited about the impact that we're having, not just on this race, but on the dialogue out there. I'd love for you guys to fight for 505, fightfor505.com. Thank you for the opportunity to be here on this air. Thank you, Bob Clark, uh, my compatriot in talk radio, and thank you uh, to Cumulus Media as well. Thank you. Mr. Gonzalez. In closing, I was born and raised here in to work hard and serve people, and that's what I've been called to do. I devoted my career, my life, to the service of this community. I believe there's not a more important time than now. We're at the crossroads, and a very important time for Albuquerque to transition to being successful. And now is the time to make that difference. I have the business experience. I have the law enforcement experience, and we've all, you've all said it. The mayor needs to have the prerequisite. They have to be conditioned and be responsible and be held accountable for public safety. I've done that as a sheriff. And I'm willing, as I did, to make the sacrifices away from my family, just like I left my, my, uh, my business behind. But what people don't know is I also took a $20,000 decrease and sacrificed things in my livelihood, my family's livelihood, my retirement, to become the sheriff because I wanted to serve you. And I will serve you honorably and, con and, and to the full fullness of my potential. Thank you for having me tonight. Thank you. I'd like to thank all the candidates tonight. Appreciate you very much adhering to these rules. And our timekeeper, Sarah Fitzgerald, who in my experience has turned out to be the most effective timekeeper in the history of debates. <laughs> so I'd like to ask the audience to join in some applause for the candidates. <laughs> And we'll turn, turn this over to Norm Becker. And I'd like to start by thanking Kent Walls for agreeing to serve as our moderator on behalf and on behalf of the Chamber of Commerce, KKOB. We want to thank all three of our mayoral candidates for taking the time to be with us this evening and for pursuing public service. In just five short weeks, one of you will have earned the support of the voters to lead Albuquerque over the next four years. Thank you for sharing your thoughts tonight on critical issues in our community. And let's take uh, this opportunity to again thank all of our sponsors who are a big part of tonight's debate. They are P&M Resources, French Funerals and Cremations, Comcast, Albertsons, New Mexico Mutual, Unirac, Fidelity Investments, Verizon, the University of New Mexico, Western Sky Community Care, True Health New Mexico, and Bank of Albuquerque. And a big thank you to all of our guests here tonight in our in-person audience and the Embassy Suites for our large listening audience at home or on the road. Thank you and good night. You've been listening to the 2021 Albuquerque mayoral debate here on News Radio 96.3 KKOB.